How are we? And I hope you are all doing fantastic during the lockdown. Now, today's episode, we're going to be doing something a little different. I say we, just me, uh, because we can't have anybody here. I'm going to be breaking down the movie The Wolf Pack. So, if any of this is not your taste, you don't want to listen to me breaking down what I can say is one of the best documentaries, maybe one of the darkest docu-films I've ever watched, um... I felt pretty compelled to uh, do a little breakdown and kind of spread it to all you people. Uh, and if, say, you immediately switch off and you don't really like it, hit me up. I'm going to be putting up a poll later in the week to see if you rather just go back to the random show you're talking or you just want to hear me, you know, stick on the subject of, you know, whatever. So we'll just jump right into it. So, The Wolf Pack is a documentary surrounding the Angulos, a family, a New York family, on the Lower East Side consisting of seven children and won the US documentary Grand Jury Prize in 2015 at the Sundance Film Festival. Now, for any of you that don't know what that is, it's a big fucking deal. That's what it is. So it essentially means that they won, in the eyes of America, the best documentary in 2015 the film opens with a montage of these seven children reenacting a number of different movies including their favorite film reservoir dogs and the way it's shot it's on this really it's on this really old camera like almost a vhs tape but a bit a bit better quality it's in the hand of some pretty serious filmmakers and they're able to make it look almost uh, like it's back in the early 90s when VHS tapes were around and stuff like that and it was it's almost quite sinister and after they're done these seven kids are done reenacting this film in their apartment that looks kind of I wouldn't say run down but it's cramped it's a little dilapidated some things don't work like it looks like the heat isn't on all that there's this really odd shot of this long corridor and if any of you's watched this film or have watched it or only you know are going to watch it you'll know exactly what i'm talking about and it's just really just strange shot down to a door which seems to lead to the outside world and it's obviously meant to be shot that way because we soon learn that these children have been forced to stay in their four-bedroom apartment for over 15 years with minimal outside interaction and over the course of one of those years they never went outside at all. And you may be asking why? It was under the supervision of their dad, Oscar Angulo. And as I was watching it, because as soon as they're done fucking playing with guns and stuff like that they're all dressed up in the suits like the reservoir dogs people and all that they kind of turn to the camera and they start giving their little interviews and they start talking about their lives and i don't want to make this as a joke or i don't want to be saying that it's a job in any way but i did as soon as they kind of as because they all look very similar they all seem to have what i would think either asperger's or mild form of autism or something like that they just they don't seem to be able to kind of understand a regular conversation they sit their mannerisms and their the emphasis on the wrong syllables and stuff like that it's very 
malevolent almost when they interview one of them at the very start and you're kind of looking at him like god like these guys are a bit fucking weird and i thought it was kind of asperger's or autism that was outside of the fact they that they had been essentially kept captive their whole lives by their dad who kept the one and only key to the front door they're on i think the 19th floor the 19th floor so there's no other way you're getting out of there but through the front door unless you're going for a dive and you're not making it as the film went on i kind of was thinking as obvious as it sounds like these kids don't have a social disorder or they don't have any kind of a mental disorder that we really know of they just don't have any social life they never have so think about that for a second they never went outside the house for a whole year we can't cope for a few months can you imagine from birth to be kept in a house in an apartment complex for a year nothing but you your siblings your mum and your dad it's fucked in my opinion And the reason I say they all look the same is because they all have extremely long hair. Their dad was a bit of a, we'll get into him later, but he had a way of doing things. He liked to be, I suppose, in control. He wanted to to have all of his kids in this apartment and his wife so they would be, in his words protected from the outside world you know he saw new york back in the day where drugs were rampant and he was living in the projects and stuff like that and of course it probably wasn't a pretty sight and he claims that the reason he kept them in there was to keep them from the evils of the world but you start to think if he really cared about them why would he have essentially trapped them in a terrible apartment that's already too small for them they never go to school they go to uh, they go to nowhere they are homeschooled the dad took that one and only key with him everywhere he went he opened up the door locked the door double latched it got groceries came back i was thinking to myself when i first because you see how many of them and they're all kind of glued to this screen no bigger than the laptop that's in front of me uh, it's a TV with the big fat end on the back of it before the flat screen days. Um, you would think that uh, they'd be itching to leave. They'd be kicking up a fuss. The thing is, they looked perfectly content in watching was it whatever was on screen. And it was maybe what was on screen was what was keeping them there in the first place. And it was movies. They all say that their dad constantly brought home tons and tons of either vhs's or dvds back in the day you know a big one for them as i said was reservoir dogs pulp fiction the dark knight is a huge one for them that they all loved and they learned what the outside world was through movies their love of film essentially made an escape from their pretty stark reality and learned the ways of the world through the silver screen 
in their minds. But as we know, the movies aren't real. But they learn, like, they, they interview them and they say, like, oh, what have you learned from this movie? It's like, oh, they just, they learn what school is like, what a river is. Like, how, it's so simple, but how could you ever not know what a river is because it's been there all your life as a normal person but these kids they were in their fucking house for god knows how long and i was thinking to myself god these like 16 17 year olds god they don't even know what it's like outside however because they looked so alike and because they really don't act like the age they are because they have no real social understanding their maturity gets pretty, um, shall we say, warped and jaded. So it's seven kids. It's and I'm gonna read their names out now. And I'm sorry if they're uh, mispronounced because they're some fucking killer names. Vagavan, who was 24 at the time of filming, twins Narayana and Govinda, who were both 22. Makunda, 19 years of age, Krishna, who was uh, um, 15, and Jagadesh was also 14. So they're all, so that's a big age gap from 24 to 14. They're very far away, and yet I couldn't really distinguish who was who. And the only way you could do that was maybe by the physical maturity. But, like, they all have essentially the same uh, personality and way of showing emotion because they watched all the same films and they experienced everything together. And I said that the names were weird. But if they do sound, I suppose, somewhat familiar, I did a bit of digging. And they were all named according to separate biblical-based children in the First Testament. And we soon find out that the father, Oscar Angulo, was and still is a staunch Christian. And the way the movie's laid out is that it's probably 45 minutes of the kids. I say kids, one of them's 24. So they're talking about how they're essentially slaves in their own home how they would love to go see the world their love of movies their love of one another there's a sense of camaraderie through this pain that they've been found this trauma and you start and the mother comes in as well and i'll talk about her now but it it gives reference to the dad as if he was either a away from the family or he was deceased he's never on camera for that 45 minutes and then suddenly out of nowhere fucking big oscar comes in the door you know with the only key of the house and a few fucking funions and groceries and he's still the dad in there and they've come to this like decision that they don't want to be in there Yet the dad is still kicking around. It's it's very, very weird. And when they're making the film, they use, uh, what is it, home VCRs and films that any family would have had if they were growing up in the 90s of um, birthdays or if it was a, just, a, just fucking anything, man. It's And at the time, you could think, oh, that's really strange kind of... But it gets so weirder the deeper you get because he refused. He had six sons and one daughter, 
and he refused all the lads to cut their hair to keep it all long and you can see it and even to this day I see there's a few TED Talks going out about uh, one of them and he still has his hair long so you know where does the trauma go cut that shit off my guy I mean you're out of the house now thankfully they are able to leave the next thing is that while this is all happening do you think that the kids are the only ones being deceived here and they're the only ones I suppose being traumatised when in reality the mother Suzanne who is being completely manipulated by the dad in all of this that is the scariest part for me in all of this and you know you can make a lot of assumptions on how how the dad raised the kids and stuff like that and it's probably best you don't because you can go down the rabbit hole of interviews with it was Krishna who now goes by Glenn B you know he wants to rid himself of his original name and he's very shy on screen and he never really wants to be viewed and when he does go on screen he is the first one to condemn his dad of being a monster he says that he thinks of his dad as a landowner and we are all the cattle or we are the land that we are his property and it's very fucking strange because the dad oscar he comes in at one point drunk as they or what they think is drunk and he stands up and he starts to take off his shirt and stuff and this is where it gets very very creepy he starts to almost strip off in his own home in front of the camera crew and he goes um my power is influencing the people here now that sounds like a man who doesn't realize that he's in a four bedroom apartment with seven fucking kids he's got in the project of new york he's hardly you know moses in the desert here it is that narcissism that has obviously kept these kids in place all this time and he i don't want to make assumptions but he does look like he could he would and could throw a fucking haymaker punch if anybody started getting out of line the kids look very like him the kids look exactly fucking like him they show pictures side by sides of when each of them were young and they're almost identical i'm sure that's like the worst thing you can do is to start looking like the person that you hate the most and they really fucking do hate them the most but the person that they love the most is the mum to get back to it suzanne she grew up in the midwest of america and if anybody knows about that it's farming country not much goes on it was said that she was a kind of a free bird almost a hippie back in the day you know back in the 70s and 80s she left and went to south america on a trip where she met oscar and it was all fucking roses that you know from there on in and it's because she didn't speak any english when he met her yet they got married and it starts to beg the question are is she a bit loopy and was she in the right sound body and mind when she was married and stuff like that because on camera she's as mad as a fucking hat she's crying on a dime 
she loves her kids and the kids love her but she is a grown woman and was a grown woman when she met this man and has had her mind sullied and muddied from a fucking sociopath that is her husband he has convinced her to have seven kids and stay in this fucking dark apartment where he is god where his word is law and it's very fucking strange i I keep saying it it's i'm not doing it justice but you do have to watch it it is and it is tough to watch because the way the kids back to the the kids again i say they're kids but fuck like they're some of them half of them are in their bleeding 20s at this point and they the best way i can describe their personalities is remember when you were a kid and you had the luxury of going to the movies wherever you were growing up and you would see a movie and because you were a fucking kid you thought every movie was deadly whatever it was you know Pirates of the Caribbean 2 Transformers whatever it was but you start after that movie ends that you just watched as a kid your mind is like a a sponge you know taking in all the cool stuff and your serotonin is going off the fucking charts and you start to almost you know take in that character and be like oh this is my new this is my new personality i'm gonna be exactly like jackton jackton captain jack sparrow and i'm gonna be you know this hero from now on and and you know after a few days or so you probably break that habit and go back to a normal you know kid and have normal emotions because probably people keep you in check and stuff like that but they have nobody to keep them in check so they take all of this in and instead of it being pushed out it just keeps going in and in and in and they have no real education none of them went to college none of them went to school they can't act like they've ever had a real conversation with anybody because they probably haven't except for themselves and that's essentially pouring fucking water into a barrel it's not going anywhere whatever one of them takes in the other fucking six are also going to take that in as well it's really strange and there is an instant that they look back on where Mukunda, who i believe was 16 or something at the time three years ago he realized that the door was unlocked and he said i'm getting out of here and not getting out of here as in I'm fucking breaking out and I'm never coming back. He was like, I'm just going to, you know, leave 20 minutes in and out. Perfect. Dad's going to be gone for like an hour or so. It'll be fine. So he leaves, but he doesn't just leave. He, because his head is so fucking screwed up by this world that he's been living in he says oh i know what'll be a good idea i'll take my paper mache michael myers mask that i made for a reenactment of that we did fucking last halloween and i'll go out in it because then nobody will notice me he was so scared that he would be noticed by his dad that he put on a paper mache michael myers mask and walked himself out the streets of new york and you know, at that point, Oscar, you might have been fucking onto something, buddy, because they're maybe too far gone now. You know, if that's the normal shit that's going through their head, you know, maybe keep them in there a little longer. No, I don't mean that, obviously, but goes out, has a mask on, walks through town. In all fairness, New York is a fucking it's a weird place, you know. God knows what would be going on. Probably nobody noticed you in the first place. 
he goes into 7-Eleven. He looks around. Obviously, he doesn't have any money because he's fucking dirt poor. Leaves. He has a great time. He looks at a few neon signs. It's all great. Stumbles into what he thought was a movie theatre. was actually a bank. Now, I'm no genius. But if you're to walk into a bank with a mask... Uh, of Michael Myers, paper mache all over your face and hiding your identity and you walk into a bank, probably not the best, uh, probably not the best outcome is coming your way. But he left and nobody, nothing happened. He was fine. Nothing happened. Until the cops showed up and took him in and he said, where do you live, kid? And the kid said, this is where I live. And he was like, right, we're taking him to, uh, we're taking him just down to the station, you know, he won't get jailed or anything like that, but he's going to be getting a fucking talent to. And I'm not going to lie, that kind of shafted the rest of the kids. Because at that point, Oscar was like, right, uh, I've obviously let the fucking ball drop here. Uh, it's time to add more locks. So he does. He adds more locks. He tunes it up. It's like fucking Fort Lauderdale in there. Nobody's getting out. And nobody's getting in, except for the big man with the keys. He, again, keeps every single key. Not even the mother can do anything. And the mum, she obviously cares about her kids, but she doesn't really fucking understand that that that's, uh, you know, what's going on, that the dad is a complete and utter psycho. So, I don't know. She's trapped as much as the kids are. And the film crew that seemed to have really like this documentary changed their lives god only knows what would have happened if this never came out um and it's not like they're like smeagol-esque characters you know fucking crawling up the walls hunched over barely any hair you know really pale dark eyes you know of pain and stuff like that like they're actually really mannerly kids the only problem is that they're a little in the normal world they'd be viewed a little strange I know people that have been outside and went to a full school and they're probably even more stranger than this crew, you know? So, you know, maybe some people should be locked in for a few years. Again, I'm joking. But he goes out, the film crew take them out in the town and they say, oh, dress up, you'll love it. And what do they dress up as? They don't put on sneakers or jackets or shorts or coats or whatever. They dress up in full suits like the Reservoir Dogs. And I just, I fucking shake my head every time because, like, it would probably only work in New York where everything's completely fucked and nobody bats an eye at anything weird. But because they all look identical, they really do look like the Reservoir Dogs in their suits and they go into the movie theater and they watch a movie for the first time in the cinema and it's fucking awesome you know you throw the fist up in the air you're like oh that was great and fast forward an hour 40 and they're out of the cinema they've had a great time and they're walking i think to a pizza place or something like that they're hitting the town and one of them stops and he goes i think somebody's following us I think somebody uh, is kind of behind us and he's tracking us. And they're like, oh, yeah, are you sure somebody's following us? I'm absolutely sure that um, somebody's following us. That's the only shit that would... That's the stuff that would only happen in a movie. You know, that that's their severe lack of 
well maybe it's a mix maybe it's their severe lack of social interaction and maybe their you know deeply instilled paranoia of the outside world uh bubbling up in them which it probably was and they finally make to the pizzeria place after a non-existent scare happens and they can't even really uh function to eat pizza they're like they're eating it weird they're eating it fucking sideways and stuff like that and uh, a few days go by and the one Krishna who is kind of locked in his room he said he, he i don't think he actually went out at that point he would have rather stayed in than leave uh to go get pizza and a fucking cinema movie he stayed in the house at that point and it was strange because they finally get him to do that one-on-one interview and he spills the beans on his fucking crazy ass dad and he can't he doesn't he says it but doesn't say it like oh there's a maybe a deeper reason why he doesn't let us cut our hair and stuff like that and you know he would at times come home drunk and get pretty fucking physical and stuff like that and it's uh you know i i don't like to speculate but he was i was picking up what he was putting down unfortunately it was not good shit going on the anglo household or the angulo household whatever and the film coming to the end they're starting to grow as people because they're getting more outside interaction because this all happened over the course of god i think it was like two and a half years this lady spent with them and even because it's a director uh that's behind the camera as well and she's a she's a good looking lady i won't lie i uh I, I'm a fan. Because they've never really seen a girl, they're just fucking geeking out all the time. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking funny. I won't lie. That's, uh, that is cool. That, you know, they're doing stuff that guys would do. And they go to the beach. They go to Coney Island for the first time. They're loving it. And they all jump into sea. But one, it's uh, Bagav- Bagavan, the oldest, who's obviously been feeling the... Uh, you know, the full steam ahead of this fucking uh, entrapment in his own house, and he refuses to get in, and the guys kind of question him, and again, it's the lack of social cues and not being able to hold up a conversation without kind of acting like it's a movie. They they have almost like... um main character syndrome if that's a thing they they really do believe that they are the main characters in a movie or at least it sounds like it by the way their dialogue is back and forth to each other he says i don't like swimming i have to have some rules some of us have to keep to the rules because that's the way the world works you know as dramatic as it sounds that's you know that is what he says i have it written down i saw the movie and the brothers, instead of being like, oh, come, like my brother, if I said that to my brother, he'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you smoking fucking crack? And like, but instead, they're like, oh, come on, man, why do you have so many rules, man? You gotta break some of that stuff sometime. We're finally free. We're finally free, and we're out here, man. We're doing it. You know, this is our world to take, man. And 
he says, no, I have to stick to my rules. Which he does, and he doesn't get in the fucking sea. And to be honest, I wouldn't be getting in that nasty-ass-looking sea anyway. It's look fucking disgusting. Fucking seaweed everywhere, probably a few hypodermic needles, you know, swimming about. It's getting to an end. The mother is falling apart at the seams. She is not particularly happy that her husband is going in one direction and trying to keep them on the house and she's maybe also not too happy that they're leaving the house in the first place she wants the freedom for her kids yet wants to keep the husband happy as well which i can understand and that's a tough battle to take and they really do love their mum and even though she's a bit of a psycho that's a thing you see with a lot of people with abused mum especially when it comes to mums if they're abusing their kid a lot of the time the kid will still go back to the mum because it's a deep emotional and biological thing that they have to stick together and you know stick up for one another and the kids they don't want to leave and they do want to leave and they eventually move out through cash that they have found somewhere i have no idea where and it ends with the kid that doesn't want to be put on camera christina who moves out fucking 19 in new york i mean that's pretty ballsy he says to the at the very end his dad thought that they were the kids that couldn't and now they are the kids that could which is a lovely you know it's a lovely uh ending to a, a pretty stark movie and i'm not doing it justice by just describing it i'm doing it i'm doing my best to bring you through the whole journey of this movie but you're gonna have to do it the wolf pack man fucking great movie or great uh documentary i suppose and just to round it off you know if they did have the chance to go to a normal school and even when asked about it it's like oh would you ever want to go to a normal school they say no 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 we'd never want to do that because then our mom wouldn't get the homeschool benefit which is a thing they have in the states and for seven kids that's a fucking hefty amount so you know maybe it's a all a ploy from big oscar who's saying listen uh i can't really make too much money uh you're a woman and you know you're doing sweet fuck all somebody has to mind these kids you know we're gonna have to start making a bit of fucking cash off these little mouths that we have to feed and you would think being at home all the time they'd be fat as fuck they're not they are skin and bones and they always have to wear uh blacked out sunglasses because the light is killing their eyes very sad stuff but if i can leave away with one thing after watching this thank your lucky stars that you're only in this fucking lockdown for a few more months or so whatever and you can go for a walk and go to the shops these fucking kids couldn't go anywhere so it makes me feel 10 times better about my situation and also a little sad and depressed so what can you do and i've been told that years later i told i found out that years later that the mum is leaving the house a lot 
the dad is still kind of set in his ways. The kids are doing stuff. They're on sets of movies, helping out and all that. But they've got no fucking education. So what could they do? What jobs could they really be earning? Not much. So, I don't know. It's it's a great fucking documentary. I'd give it a I'd give it a listen, give it a watch because I know you people ain't got shit to do during all of this. Thank you, all of you that have tuned into this week's episode thank you all that have supported the instagram and followed thank you very much and i think that's us for uh, for this week thank you very much bye bye